Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Got some fights. Got some fights to talk about. Finally, joining me this week, my brother from another mother, a man who turned 35 years young today, our boy Lavender Gooms. And on that note, I would like to announce my late candidacy for president as per prescribed in the Constitution. I am now allowed to run for president. Just got it in there. Mike, right under the wire. Mike, what kind of Kanye level voter fraud are you going to try to commit to get on a ballot? (laughs) I am going to try and commit all the voter fraud, Bobby. Um, As uh, I think uh, Gaylord Perry once said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, you should do what the president did and send people mail in ballots with your face on it. That's the move. Um, Mike, in honor of your uh, Kevin Durant birthday uh, being 35, might I suggest you go join the super team of DC and Ariel Helwani and leave us behind and just coast off of their glory? That's the move. I am not against coasting off people's glory for more money. Um, shout out to Ben Askren taking DC spot on the podcast today, by the way. I was listening. He did a really good job. Um, first off, folks, if you hear fans or air conditioning in the background, Look, three of us live in the Bay Area. It's 100 degrees outside. It's bad. It's real bad. Um, we are going through what our senators are referring to as a historic heat wave. It yeah, sucks. It was 130 degrees in Death Valley today. So the Undertaker's believe, childhood uh, home probably burned down again. I believe uh, today or, or I think yesterday, uh, the Earth recorded its hottest uh, temperature in one spot. So I think that was you Death thought- Valley. <laughs> I think that was 130 degrees in Death Valley. Again, um, the home that of the beachfront, that beachfront property in Wisconsin is going to look real good in about 30 years. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you guys hear a fan air conditioning, guys, sorry. We normally shut it off, but Mark and I would die. Stefan probably too. Um, all right. A lot of stuff's going on, man. Like um, we thought we we're just going to be talking about um, the UFC figuring out who their greatest heavyweight ever was and the retirement of a, um, quite frankly, an MMA legend. I think is a fair way of putting it. But now we have um, John Jones vacating titles and going up. We got Anthony Rumble Johnson coming back to 205. Uh, There's a lot happening, but let's get into it first. UFC 252 at the Apex. Um, Steve Amiosic, Daniel Cormier, they fought two times before. Steph, I'm going to go to you this one, actually, this time. Um, they saved the best fight for the third time, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was absolutely a fantastic fight. Um yeah, it, it really, I think the commentators, they were talking about it, like, they studied each other. They learned from both of their fights. It's everything you'd want to see out of a trilogy, right? The first one had a pretty quick knockout, right? Uh, some Stipe didn't handle that fight, right? Second fight, Cormier got kind of headhunting, right? He, he, he knew that knockout. He was chasing it. He kind of abandoned wrestling. He was a little slopping in, in his punching technique, Um and in this one, it was a really, really even fight. Uh, I would say Cormier probably clearly won the first round, I think. Um, I think that's the one where he put Stipe on his ass, right? 
Uh, yeah, like, yeah. was that late in the round, I think? I think um, that sounds right, yeah. And then I thought he won the fifth round as well. I thought he finished stronger, uh, which is amazing for where he was. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, DC, he broke it down. There was just more clinch work from Stipe, right? Stipe controlled sections around. Um, he, he weathered the storm. He, he was good with his – his punches were still good, right? Uh, he, he was working the body in there. It was beautiful when you saw him like slapping it. He's like, oh no, I didn't forget that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Cormier did try to wrestle, but I think there was really only one successful takedown after that point. Um, there was an eye poke early for DC on Stipe that I remember paused the fight. And then um DC, DC was, a, was so DC was so apologetic too. He's like, Man, I am he knew it too. He's like, even though his hands were open the whole yeah. fucking fight, but he's like, Man, I'm real sorry. He's like, he's like, sorry, like you could tell the guy didn't and like I saw some comments that were kind of who they must not like DC because they're like, see DC, how does it feel, huh? How do you like it? And I'm like, I don't think anyone was trying to do that. Yeah, um, Stipe we, went what knuckle deep. <laughs> yeah, to, to be fair, Stipe had fucked that eye up before the eye poke. The eye poke only made it worse. You know, um, that was already cut pretty good because Stipe landed some really good punches there. Again, like he mixed it up to the body well. He got some good uppercuts in there. Um, his over the top right was still really good. You know, hats off to his chin too, because DC hit that anchor punch repeatedly. Yeah, D- right DC, hook. I call it the hockey, the hockey punch, where he's got like one yeah. arm over him and he's trying. He hit it. That was the knockout blow. He, <laughs> like he, he got it like eight times in there, and there was one where even I forget who called it out, but I noticed it myself. Was you see Stepe catches his right arm when they're in the clinch? Like he's like, no, no, you're not coming over the top with this. Like I'm holding this down. Like he knew that was the weapon, and so it's kind of it's a shame that anyone had to lose because they were both doing what both of them sought out to do, and it, it was just a really, really good fight. Yeah, best heavyweight fight um, quite some time. Um, it was one of those ones, one of those fights in MMA where you watch, and I'm just like, this is like why I watch this sport. Like, really high-level shit. Um, Marcus uh, Stipe proved he's the man. Uh, greatest UFC heavyweight. Um, your thoughts on what we saw? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a great performance by Stipe. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think Daniel knew he had to make some adjustments. And he made some, you know, obviously there was a lot more emphasis on uh, guarding the liver punch. And Stipe went to it a bit. Um, but in those later rounds, they kind of both abandoned, I think, what the game plan was ultimately. Which, you know, DC talked about utilizing the wrestling more. Um, and honestly, and we talked about it last week, that was going to be difficult to do against Stipe, who's, you know, a very good wrestler in and of his own right. Um, and DC kind of mentioned after the fight, you know, it was to, to potentially look for openings where that would present itself. And I think he might have done better in the fight if he faked shots more often just to get Stipe to think about having to defend those. Because I think after the first round, after he got that first takedown, there wasn't a lot of even feints towards shooting doubles. Um, and, and when he did, he honestly went over with that big overhand, right? And that was something that he he found success throughout the fight. But it was, mo- I mean, really what won this fight was Stipe's better Greco-Roman wrestling, which was kind of, you know, uh, surprising to see DC spend so much time against the cage with double underhooks. I mean, this is a dude that spent his whole life wrestling. Let me tell you, year one, you're pummeling. They tell you, dig in, dig in the underhook, pummel, pummel, pummel. That is like, that is level one wrestling stuff. And, you know, whether it was because Stipe just had a great double underhooks or DC was too tired, you know, whatever Pumble it was. tall. Too man, and he's tall, I'm tall. <laughs> um, and it just he just he got himself in that position multiple times and was not able to get himself off the cage. And ultimately, I think that's what lost him the fight. You know, the stand up exchanges were back and forth; they were landing both shots really cleanly. And ultimately, I think the clinch is what clinched it for Stipe. And I think you, you have to talk about the eye poke in round four because that seemed to really, you know, uh, 
I think it was round three, wasn't it? it? Maybe it was three. Um, I only saw it one. I thought, he, I thought he won round four. I don't, I don't, the rounds were close, too, man. You know, I think you're right, because I think round four was the one that people thought DC got one and four, and okay. Stipe got two and three, and then the fifth... You know, Stipe just controlled more of the fight, you know, and I think I it's going to be a tough... I, I thought the eye poke happened around the end of four, and... It, like DC was winning that round and around the end of round four. I no, there DC I, had that I fucked for a couple rounds. But like, yeah. like Stefan mentioned, uh, there was a lot of just damage to that eye before the eye poke, and and ultimately, you know, I think that's what a lot of the narrative has been after this fight is, you know, the referee did not see that eye poke, um, and it was bad, you know, it it really was. But it's one of those things. Eye pokes are just so hard. I, I'm surprised that the refs catch as many as they do, because it's really hard to see those, you know, and. I, I only notice them on replays, really. You know, I very rarely see them happen uh, in real time. But it was unfortunate. You know, I honestly, you know, DC has has done so much. It would have been great to have this crowning achievement and to end on a high note. Um, and it's kind of bittersweet that it seems like his whole career, um, outside of a few moments, he's always kind of played, um, you know, second fiddle. Uh, and it's unfortunate he couldn't end out on top. But I don't think there's anything to lay, you know, put his head down. He had a fantastic fight. He had a fantastic career obviously going to be um you know uh, in the uh, hall of fame and and honestly like like i often talk about you know the guy also has great avenues for continuing his career um outside of fighting so i think what we'll ultimately get to bobby is like where are these fighters going i i do hope dc stays retired yeah well let me let, let me get uh mike in on this mike your thoughts on dc do you think this is it really is he really gone i mean we stayed and heard him say we stayed you mean you're awake at least for this much of it because God bless Mike, man. These fight cards are not doing any, doing it well for him at these late hours. But DC honestly, said, I, honestly, I also think I'm just getting worse with staying up later uh, because, dude, it, I was tired it, when it was over worse. and it was like 10 p.m. All right, no, DC said um, he want. I mean, it's heat of the moment, but he did say, I'm if I'm not fighting for titles, he doesn't want to do it anymore. So you think he's really gone? I think he's really gone because it's not just heat in the moment right after the fight that he was saying he was saying this. He talked about he's talked about it since he was about 39, where he said that he didn't want to fight after he turned 40. And he prolonged that an additional year so that he could try to get his title back. And he's he's 41. He's just lost two in a row to Stipe. Um, he's. Like he said, he's not going to be fighting for the title again. And at this point, not, in not his in his life, weight does, class, at least. Hmm. And at 41, does he really want to cut back down to 205? That was always a hellacious cut for him in the first place. It's not going to be any easier now. This that is he spent. He spent about three years at heavyweight, so it's not his metabolism hasn't gotten any better. Yeah. So, what does he have to gain except maybe an additional 200, 300k? You know, for main eventing or for main eventing a fight night or co-maining a a numbered UFC card, his legacy is secure. I I don't think this is a man who's wanting money. He has a beautiful second career, um, in broadcasting and in his uh you know shows with ESPN. So he really has nothing bringing you know, him back fighting except the desire. He's still coaching. If that Gilroy has that, which it doesn't seem like he does. Yeah, he's coaching at Gilroy High School still, coaching wrestling. Um. Mike, I think this is the first fighter where you watched his entire career from beginning to end, effectively, because we were watching him in Strike Force and like you know when he was like three and oh four and oh shit like that. Yeah, you watched yeah. his entire career and he's going out as a Hall of Famer. 
It's kind of strange. And his guy's going out not on top, but not bad, huh? Not bad way yeah, to go out necessarily. I, not a great fight, but. I don't know if he had his MMA debut at in Strike Force. I'm not sure. No, about not his that, debut, but, I, but he was pretty much like a baby yeah, in Strike Force. I, I remember I was I was still in law school, maybe twelve year uh -huh. when the Strike Force Grand Grand Prix started, and uh -huh. from right, Daniel Cormier was a heavyweight alternate. Like he wasn't even in the actual Grand Prix. He got in because someone got injured, and he ended up winning it. Yeah, Stefan could so, be rich because when this thing started, there was like Stefan's like, "Hey, um, I'm gonna pick none of these people as the betting the betting line," and it was like a plus like three thousand. Stefan could have been rich, man. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, it was uh, it was great seeing him um, go from where he was when he first started, you know, someone two, three years out of, uh, you know, making the 2008 Olympics to, to what he is now. So hats off to DC. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Um, DC firmly top five MMA heavyweight ever, uh, a top five UFC heavyweight. We saw some lists, people going around on ESPN on the post show. I saw uh, both. Chael Sonnen and um, Brad Okamoto had Stipe, DC, Kane, and Randy Couture in their top five. Um, I think Brett had Junior Dos Santos, um, and Chael had Brock. I'm also throw it out there. Who's I mean? No one had Verdum. I was gonna say. I mean, let's say that is your, some disrespect. What no do you one got? Had Verdum, huh? What do you What do you got, Steph? Is he your? Is he? What's your? I mean, if I if I did, I mean, without putting all thought into it, my top five UFC heavyweights because you know. We're only talking about UFC. Kane, Tatipe, DC, probably Randy, and I don't know about Brock or Junior. Brooke, Brock Junior is up there. Arlovsky was champ like three times. I don't know. Frank Mir was champ a few times. What do you think, Verdum? What do you What do you got up there? <laughs> uh, I like Verdum. Maybe I'm thinking of Verdum's totality of his career. Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily track what is specifically UFC. I mean, he did beat Fedor. If that is the caveat. <laughs> Uh -huh. um, Verdum has an incredibly good career yeah. uh, on paper to me, and I I, I like him above Randy, um, just because it's one of those things. You're a victim of your time, and you're a victim of who you face and when you face them. It's I get Randy's importance to the UFC, but when I look at his record, I'm like, yeah, none of these guys are actually impressive though. They are impressive for what he fought or who he had to fight, but like, so I, I get you know they love Randy in the UFC, right? He's he's one of their Mount Rushmore guys. He's Captain um, America. He's probably not in my five based on how I picture the top guys. Um, I it, it was short, but I do like Brock in there just because it was fun before <laughs> di before diverticulitis. This was a man I thought was invincible. Like you know, I like you. I, you know me, Bob. I like narratives in MMA, and Brock was one of the best ones we had for the flashing moment that it was. When he uh, fought Carwin, we were all at my parents' house. Well, not Mike, but the rest of us were. And I remember we stood up when brought, when Carwin hit him. And then Carwin kept hitting him. And we kept getting closer to the TV. And then we're all just standing around the TV until Brock ended up winning in the second round. And that was... Brock was fun. Marcus, you got any thoughts on this? <laughs> um, you, you, you've no, been watching I longer mean, than all of us. So what do you uh, think? I mean, I, 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 I guess I would disperse randy couture a little bit less because and and i think i see a lot of similarities with dc and i thought it was interesting when mike said like you know he's not going to get another title shot in heavyweight and i was like fucking randy did fucking randy <laughs> just wait until that division was dead and he was like i'll jump back in and beat them he's like weren't you a 205 fighter he's like i don't care i can beat tim sylvia because he's a schmuck and he did he beat the shit out of him and took that belt so i mean in three years 
if we have Stefan Struve as the champion, I'm not going to be surprised if DC comes in and be like, yeah, I'll roll over these guys real quick and get that belt like I wanted. Um, and I, I think you give some credit to Randy. I mean, obviously, I think Steph makes a good point. <laughs> when you look actually at the record, it's like, okay, some dude's just bigged on him. Like Josh Barnett and Rico Rodriguez was like, oh, I'm just bigger than you and I'm just going to smash your face in. And that worked. So, uh, I mean, I think it's tough. I think, you know, I think Stipe is obviously up there, DC. Kane. And then everyone else is. I mean, Kane's kind of tough too because, like, it was all potential with Kane. He got the belt and he defended a little bit, but he never had that like run. It was always like marred with injuries or a fluke knockout. Um, and I think that that's kind of division, you know. Uh, and, and of course, if you want to like, if you want to like expand it beyond just UFC, you got to talk about Fedor, Big Nog. Yeah, sure. I think I think Fedor, uh, Alistar probably. Alistar and, might be you know, Yeah, you throw Ream in there when he's juiced out. There's a lot of interesting heavyweights, but what's interesting is that very few of them have been able to, to stay on the top for very long. And Stipe has been able to do that to, to, to some degree. You know, DC kind of, you know, knocked yeah. him off pedestal for a second, but he got right back up there. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of great guys. And I think when you're doing that little list, I, you know, I think Brock is a fun entry and, you know, JDS is deserving too. I mean, anyone that held that Well, because let me tell you guys, great, so. we're going to talk a little bit about Brock in a bit here because we're going to talk about somebody moving up to heavyweight. And there's a certain man who dropped his WWF title back in uh, April and has been riding this pandemic out. In the mountains of Saskatchewan, or, or wherever I think I think Saskatchewan has mountains. But, when uh, Brock came out to fight Mark Hunt, and he was donning the flags of Canada, uh, I was so confused, Bobby. I was like, "What the fuck happened? When did Brock come become Canadian?" Remember he shit on the Canadian healthcare system, also, like when he was sick. I'm like, "What? What happened here? Is this alternate universe, Brock?" Um, let's get to the rest he, of this he was, card. He was mad that it was free, and he didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, let's get to the rest of this card a little bit quicker here. Uh, Mike, um, Sean O'Malley. Chito Vera, uh, the Sugar Show is going to take a bit of a detour here because my man's foot, something went wrong. And then he got, um, did he, I'm not sure if he went out for a second there when he got dropped, but um, a lot of hype. Kid got hurt. What'd you think? <laughs> yeah, kid got hurt. Um, you can't really chalk it up to, oh, well, you know, he just injured himself. No, it looks like Chito Vera injured Sean O'Malley. Is it Sean O'Malley? Yeah, Sean O'Malley. Um, he went in there trying to do some leg kicks, and Chito Vera, if I'm right, I think he checked one of them, and that's what hurt. Well, Sean that's that's foot. what Chito said. No one seems to know because it looked like someone was saying he was hurt on the embedded series because he stepped weird on that. This guy also already hurt this foot. Um, and uh, Andre, um, Mike, Stefan, help me out. The idiot that you like to make fun of, Andre Sukumtai. This Sukum is <laughs> look. Look what Marlon did as a response to the guy with the bad foot. Look at look what he did. Okay, it was it was great. Yeah, um, might continue though. Yeah, uh, we don't know what hurt the kid, but he lost. Either way, it says yeah, L. And, and uh, for me, one of the best parts of this fight was just how sore a winner Chito Vera was afterwards. You know, he was there screaming, "This the Chito show!" <laughs> and in his uh, in his post fight with uh, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan asked him, "Well, it seems like uh, you know, Malia hurt his foot while he was in the." Uh, octagon and chito just goes on a rant like no no he didn't hurt his foot i hurt his foot he checked the leg kick and his leg got hurt well you know what if you're going in there with a kicker you better have strong legs my legs are stronger than his like oh that was beautiful um, um yeah he man. was so bit he was so bitter in a win that i had all i could do was respect it yeah i think if uh i mean this is a weird thing to say but if chito didn't call um song yadong uh China man, um, I would be on board with Cheeto in general. His general anger 
is something I can get behind. But yeah, that wasn't great uh, in his last fight. By the way, most people with eyes thought he thought he lost that last fight too. He just could have, you know, reacted better than being racist about it. Um, Steph, he's won six straight in this weight class. That fight against Song Yadong was at um, featherweight. Gotta give him somebody real, huh? <laughs> I mean, this was um, real, but really real. <laughs> yeah, it's to me in my book, it's it's fair, unfair to him. He kind of stays the same in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he did what he had to do, but we respected him going into this fight. We knew he had violence potential, yeah. but I just don't know what to take away from this fight because maybe it was the check kick. The fact that it's the same exact injury as he previously had tells me there's something wrong with O'Malley. Like, I don't, is this going to be a recurring art? You know, injury is going to be a recurring issue because that Dominic was on the call and he said like, as someone who's had a lot of injuries that sap a lot of the prime years of your career, I really feel for this kid right now, and I just hope him a speedy recovery. Like, that's my takeaway from this fight. I think more about that. And, you know, it, I'm not trying to take away anything from him, but personally, I don't give him more because of it. He just kind of stays the same in my eyes. Um, we'll see what he gets, though. Six straight wins in his weight class. Big win on co-main event of a pay-per-view. And these UFC pay-per-views have been killing it because everybody's at home. Uh, Marcus, Biggie Boy, Junior Dos Santos. Uh, Biggie Boy had a strategy, leg kicks and counter-striking, and then eventually he's like, I'm, I'm going to knock this Brazilian out. Uh, what'd you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, really how I read it was, you know, he had some hard time getting inside on Junior Dos Santos. I, I think Junior was the more, more technical stand-up fighter, and I think it just took Biggie Boy a while to understand and find spots where it's like, I have to get in the pocket. I'm not going to beat this guy on the outside. He's just not. Those low, low kicks are not enough when Junior is able to dictate when he comes in, anytime Biggie Boy came in, there was counter left hooks coming. He had to get in the pocket to do damage, and that's exactly what he did, and that's exactly um, you know how he won this fight. You know, he had to sit in striking range and throw hands with Junior, which is you know a dangerous uh, predicament to to put to willfully put yourself in. But to get the wins in this division, especially with the skill set that Biggie Boy has, that's what you have to do, and that's what he did, and that's how he capitalized. Um, it, it's really weird. I, I did watch these fights um, the day after. And I did see the results before. So it's really, it was interesting reading a lot of the tweets um, after the fact and then watching the fights and being like, okay, I don't agree with that. Like someone said in the first fight, like, oh, I think Stipe and DC are really like holding back on each other. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then and then in this fight with JDS and um, Biggie Boy, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know if JDS can take those punches anymore. Like the ending sequence was like, he got knocked down. He got a clean shot got knocked down, tried to get back up, and then got clobbered two other times. I was like, no human is withstanding that. I don't know who you think these people are, but no one's getting knocked to the ground and then smashed the way Biggie Boy did. It's heavyweight MMA. Give give these guys a little bit of fucking credit, man. You can can question Junior's chin all you want, but like that sequence was not like, yeah, I don't think he can take a punch anymore. It's like, people don't take... There's a brain inside that head, okay? This isn't dummies. This isn't a video game. There's brain damage happening right there. Like no one's gonna withstand to that. And I you know, and and that's Biggie Boy's um, key to frame. Like it, it, his uh, key to fame is like this dude hits hard, you know. And against guys like Junior and against guys like Nugano, he has to figure out how to get himself in in position to land those big punches. With Nugano, he just bum rushed him, and he didn't have a way to counter that. Here, JDS gave him time to kind of. 
figure out the Rubik's Cube, and he was able to do so. So, you know, big uh, hat off to him. You know, and I'm not going to take a bunch of credit. I was going to pick JDS. Everyone else just picked JDS, so I took um, I took the easy out and uh, picked Biggie Boy. But I didn't have a lot of faith in him, and, you know, he, he got it done. He, like, he, he fought, fought. I was really impressed with him. I thought he yeah. I thought he fought a really good fight, man. I was I, very I was very disparaging on him. Uh, part of Mark's picking him was uh, I was hard. But, frankly, he, he didn't look good in those other two fights. Mm. He looked good in this fight. Yeah. Um, and so that's all you want to see. But uh, can I say, watching the Embedded's, there was a moment where I'm like, I'm not going to change my pick. But if there was a reason I was going to, it's this right here. They're showing Junior training. And then Junior says to the camera, he's like, yeah, they say I have better grappling, but I think my boxing's better, too. So someone's going to get knocked out. I'm like, damn it, Junior. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. He's like, yeah, I have this advantage, but I don't want to use it. We're going to stand. And I'm like, fucking A, Junior. Um, Marab. Uh, I'm, I'm scared. Okay, Daniel Pineda and Herbert. Give it, give it a shot. Bro. Okay, well, first, Daniel, Daniel Pineda beat the shit out of Herbert Burns, Mike. Um, we were watching this. And most of the fight we spent trying to come and see if our friend Phil, who was watching with us, we you asked him if he was willing to get all of the tattoos um, Pineda had for $2 million, which I was like, he had to think about it. I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, you give me 50 grand, I'll, I'll get all these tattoos. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about here. And uh, uh, our, our friend Philip, um, <laughs> keen observer that he is, <laughs> um, he doesn't think we're talking about the tattoos on Daniel Pineda. He says, oh, I thought you were talking about the tattoos on the other guy. Uh, the other guy had no tattoos. Yeah. We learned, by the way, I mean, we, we, it probably wasn't his first UFC fight. We learned that there's a lesser Burns brother. Uh, Herbert, not as good. Also miss weight. Um, Daniel Pineda returns to the UFC after many years off. He was thrilled to win. Marab Davish. Look, his nickname is The Machine, all right? The Machine, Marab The Machine, um, decided he was going to take down John Dodson. John Dodson decided he was not going to get taken down. In the meantime, John Dodson did nothing else. That was the fight. I think I summed it up well, Steph. What do you think, huh? Uh, I get these things wrong sometimes, but I felt happy with this one. Sometimes I do call the demise of a fighter. Um, and uh, I said to you, Bob, when John Dodson, after round one, turns and says to his coach, all he's doing is holding to me, or all he's doing is holding me, I'm like, that. those are the words of a washed fighter. Yeah. If, uh, if you know that's the reality and you can't do anything about it, you're done. You're washed. Um, John Dodson's washed. Jim Miller lost to uh, Vin, Vince Pichel. Um, John, uh, John, Jim Miller been in the UFC since 2008. Um, 36th UFC fight. If he wants to keep fighting, keep fighting, Jimmy. Um, didn't come out to his walkout music, though. Mike was pretty bummed. Um, that's why he lost. That's why he lost. Um, Felice Herring got trashed, got thrashed. Um, Vima Jandaroba decided that Felice had nothing for her and just put her on the ground and just systematically decided, I'm taking this arm home with me. And it looked like she'll, Felice looked like she was shell shocked, Mike, when it was over. Yeah, damn shame for Felice. I was actually happy to see her back in the octagon. Um, mm. She had been out for maybe about a year and a half uh, with a, thing, a torn ACL. ACL. So I was happy to see her back in the octagon, but she got smoked on the ground. You know, shit happens. Um, I got some shot in Freud out of that. I used to follow Felice on IG, and she busted out the MAGA stuff. And now I relish in these moments. <laughs> Um, that was UFC 252, UFC's next pay-per-view, UFC 253, we announced is headlined by, um, the last style bender, um, 
Israel Adesanya taking on uh, Boracinha, uh, Paulo Costa. Um, that's going to be a fun fight, in theory. God uh, bless that soundbite they have on the ad where he calls him an overinflated Ricky Wa- Martin wannabe. Yeah. Like, he, he really nailed it. I didn't even, like, <laughs> it didn't occur to me. Like, I knew that he looked like someone I'd seen before. I'm like, who the fuck does this guy resemble? It is very much like Live in La Vida Loca era Ricky Martin. Even better than when he said that um, Casa was wearing that 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 Salcedo shirt, like it was flashy, man. Um, Paulo Costa, surprisingly enough, is an ex- excellent social media follow because he's just making steroid jokes the whole time. Um, if he ever pops, it'll be funny. But <laughs> even now, still pretty funny. Um, they need a co-main event for that fight card. It's real thin. But they also announced only a four-fight main card, so we'll see what uh, what goes on from there. Um, we're going to talk about this Munoz-Edgar card a little bit in a little bit and this um, Bellator card with uh, Ryan Bader. But first, Jonathan Dwight Jones, the man who has run the UFC light heavyweight division since March 2011. I think it was 2011. I think. Yeah, Mike, you and I were in the building. Yeah, Mike's giving me a thumbs up. Um, he's ran it since then, save for a little mo- couple moments of DUIs and suspensions in the middle there where DC got the run stuff. He says, I'm out. I'm not fighting for you at 205 anymore. Vacates his championship. Uh, the UFC has got a fight book between Jan Blachowicz and, uh, Dominic Reyes, a five rounder. Um, they haven't officially announced it's for a title, but I imagine that's coming soon. John Jones said, um, he's not fighting unless he gets paid more, but if he does, Fight again. It's going to be at heavyweight. Marcus, um, John Jones against Stipe or Francis Ogano against Stipe. What do you think we? What do you want to see? And what do you think we're going to see? Yeah, I, I would rather see the the fresh matchup uh, with John Jones and Stipe. Uh, you know, we we've talked about for many years. Uh, me personally, multiple times, I'm very interested to see um, how uh, Jones would do in the heavyweight division. If they wanted to give him like a feeler fight first, that's, I mean, fair, fine, but like Brock Lesnar. I mean, if it's Brock, that's a different story <laughs> because that's such a big fight that I think that would be intriguing uh, for him. But really, like, it's like I don't think Jones needs to prove any. Like, he's the fucking like. I mean, look, I think there's like two arguments for goat right now, and it's like John Jones and Habib because they're both basically undefeated. You know, with John Jones as one DQ, so it's like I don't. If we want to give him a feeler match to, to see how he does at heavyweight, that's fine. But I don't think it like he needs to earn a title shot against Stipe. And you know, and I guess you know we talked about this earlier, Bob. Uh, Dana White's like, well, you can't just jump Nagano. And it's like, well, yeah, one, absolutely. Who the fuck sets any rules in this division? Yeah. About <laughs> what rules are there anymore? And you're like, oh, there's a very stringent thing we have to follow. It's like, no, you just. I seen a guy that was ranked eight fight for a belt. I just saw two guys that weren't even ranked number one fight for a belt. So don't give me the shit about like, oh, we have rules and regulations. It's like, no, you just do whatever the fuck you want. So, but Mark, remember, you got to be insane if you think Jose Aldo doesn't deserve a title shot coming off of a loss. Only oh, yeah, an insane whatever. person would think that. It's like, all right, all right, dude, whatever. Um, but I mean, look, at, I'm intrigued just to see what Jones is going to look like at a heavyweight. Um, I think, obviously... You know, he was very vocal during this fight saying like, oh, these guys don't seem that big. I'm going to get that belt. And you know what? It's like I, I like that kind of uh, positivity. But 
you know, the proof's in the pudding. Like, I need to see you clinching with some dude that's, you know, 255 and see you manhandle them like you do the guys at 205, and then I'll believe you, you know. But until you get in there and do it, it's just hearsay. And that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see for years because he's dried out his division for so long. You know, probably five years ago, you can pop on one of these podcasts that say John Jones in the tag, and you'll hear one of us, probably me, saying, like, I'd like to see this guy fucking challenged once, and I think he's only going to find that at heavyweight. Now we're potentially getting that. So. I, get, I bet we were saying that after the DC fight, the first one. I bet that was when we were like, okay, that's it. He beat DC. Let's do it. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. So um, I'm really interested. I, I, I hope, I, obviously, there's still like some financial stuff. I think they're going to get over that. Um, and we will see him at heavyweight. And I'm really intrigued to finally see that because I think it's been a long time coming. I want to see fresh matchups with Jones um, against guys I'm excited to see him fight because everyone at 205 that he hasn't already fought, they're just they're new faces. And it's hard to get excited when... I've seen Dominic Reyes fight two times in my life, or I've seen uh, Santos lose at middleweight, and he's done really well at lead heavyweight, and then he gets a title shot. It's like, I want to see Stipe and John Jones, Nugano and John Jones. Those are really intriguing matchups. For me personally, I'd love to see if, if they want to give John Jones a tune up match and they want to make me personally excited, I'd like to see him and Overeem fight because I think that would be really fun. Dude, I want to see him and Brock. I Someone said it earlier today, and I'm like, that is. I want to see, anyone I, I, I wanna see him and Brock. Like, Number one right there. I'm going to put it clear. I want to see Brock Lesnar fight again. I'm that person. I strongly want to see Brock Lesnar fight again. I want to see Brock Lesnar fight more than basically all the other heavyweights, short of like three guys. Um, by the way, I, me and George St. Pierre disagree with Mark's GOAT analysis. There's only two people up there. Me and Gentleman George. Just saying. Um, yeah, I'm, I want. I, I would rather see Jones and Stipe than Jones and Stipe and Nganu. I'd like to see Nganu fight Stipe again too. It's fine. It, I, I, it was, you know, fun the first time. But, Steph, I mean, I think we're all on the same page here. You'd rather see Jones and Stipe, right? If you, Yeah, I think that's the, that's the fight to make. Jones, you know, he, he defended this belt against Reyes. He defended this belt against Smith. And that's fine. They earned their shots. But I think we all agree. He cleared out the division well before either of those fights. Mm -hmm. It's just all we wanted is the heavyweight fight. When it was Cormier there, we're like, well, the trilogy is going to occur in heavyweight then you know i was like john jones the ghost of john jones is going to come take your belt over up in this division so the narrative has been there for as long as we can remember now like mark said um yeah that's the only fight to me if they it's like i want to watch francis fight i love watching francis fight i'll watch him fight anyone but is it the one i want in the title shot absolutely not it's 100 the jones fight to win um but also shout outs to good guy john jones because he's also pointing out that he's doing the social work and he's serving the community. Oh, you go to the uh, website? He's all over the website. <laughs> you don't just do that. You, you know, real G's don't move in silence uh, for John Jones. You make it loud and public. Hey, guys, I'm not a dick. Yeah, John Jones, at, at his foundation he started, he's just all over smiling at people, building shit. It's great. Well, let me ask you this. Is this court-mandated stuff he's doing, or is this of his no, own this, time this now? No, is, this, is this is when John Jones, remember when there was all the protests and people were just looting? He just I started remember fixing. that, but like now yeah, he's doing I'm telling you, John Jones is Hancock. That's what's going on. It's not okay. court-mandated. <laughs> okay, if it's, if it's court-mandated, it's like, slow your roll, dude. You did that because you fucked up like 12 times in 12 different ways. If he's doing it of his own accord... Look, it took a decade to get there, but we might have made a human out of this man. 
Hey, man, John Joe still ain't taking no money from any dictators, so at least that's, I'm happy with that. That's where I'm at with MMA. Mike? <laughs> I, I don't know why you have such a problem with taking a little quiche from a from a dictator, right? Like, people got mortgages. I know, there's ethnic cleansing okay. with gay, you know, and clay, killing all the gay people. <laughs> that's, your... <laughs> that, that's, that's not as good. That's not great. Maybe uh, don't, maybe. Does your moral high ground pay this electricity bill? Does it keep right. the AC on your moral high ground? And, Bobby, you're not thinking outside the box by John Jones accepting that money that's less money he can use against gay people. He's taking that money away. That's definitely how it works. It's not like, Bobby, it's not like, when, it's not like you can just like seize property me, when you're a dictator and give it to other people. Let okay. me give you a pro tip. You cannot digest high moral fiber. Okay? okay. All right. Uh, uh, but talking about Jones, I want to see him fight for the title. Um, I have no problem with him skipping... Uh, Francis for for a title shot. He's John Jones. He's basically ruled 205 for the last decade. Yeah, guys like that can skip whoever the hell they want if they move up or down a division. Yeah. Um, I also don't care if it's for the title. I want to see him fight the best fighter, and Stipe's the best fighter. They've made it so I don't care about the belts. So I mean, there's only one other fo- fight that I have interested in John, and that if he stayed at light heavyweight, and that's easy to go to light heavyweight, but we're probably years away from that one. But those are the two fights for Jones left on his record. If Jones get those two, I have nothing left I need to see. He could retire into the sunset, and I'll say he's done the, it all. The Jones-Izzy thing is kind of like back in the day when people like they wanted to see Anderson and Jones. I'm like, these people aren't on the same part of their careers. Like, this guy is, like, they're different. Like, one guy's in his prime. The other guy's winding down here. Um, yeah. You, you, you say that. One guy's in his prime. The other's winding down. Izzy's, like, two years younger. Yeah, than, but Izzy, Izzy's Jones. got 15 MMA fights, and Izzy hasn't had five-round wars. He's had one five-round war. You know? John Jones been in some shit, man. Um, I Rumble mean, Johnson's... You, oh, just, just one more thing. You don't know how much wear and tear he had from all his kickboxing matches, though. He won all those fights. Uh, not all of them. I saw okay, him. He lost, he lost, he got, and I was like, thank you. That made me feel a little better. Who put him down? I don't know. Some white dude. Alex something or other. I can't oh, remember. Okay. I'll send you a YouTube clip. <laughs> okay. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson says he's coming back, and it's a 205. Um, if we believe he can make 205, instant contender, honestly, whether like he whether he's earns it or not, let me look at it's Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blanco. It's probably for a belt. And Tiago Santos is the next contender. This That weight class lost. I mean, a fish DC was already gone, but they lost Jones, DC, uh, Alex Gustafson's fighting at heavyweight, which he shouldn't do that. I, I wonder if Gustafson saw Rumble's coming back to 205 and Gustafson's like, fuck, man. This was my time. I was finally going to do something at 205. <laughs> um, I mean, with Jones gone and DC retired, Alex might be the best wrestler in that division now. Not if Rumble goes down and punches him in front of his home, his homeland. I, I like watching Rumble fight. Um, he's, I mean, we like same reason we like watching Nganu fight. Motherfucker's got dynamite in his hands. So, yeah. I mean, anybody think this is a waste of our time? Or fuck it. Let's see what, what Rumble's got to do. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I thought he left a little early, so let's get back in there. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that was everything, um, unless somebody else has retired in the last fucking hour or so. Um, by the way, shout out to Mark Goddard. You knew it was coming when he apologized for missing the eye poke. Mark Goddard's an excellent referee. And he said, I can't call what I can't, what I didn't see, and I didn't see it. I apologize. So, And DC, classy in his retirement statement earlier today thanked Stipe for the fight, said it was an honor to fight him for essentially 10 rounds. 
over three fights. So, anyway. All right. Uh, UFC's at the Apex this weekend. Um, the card's not great. Um, but what are you going to do? They're not all fucking great. Um, it's headlined by Frankie the Answer Edgar taking on Pedro, I don't know his nickname, Munoz. Um, I believe this fight was supposed to happen maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Didn't somebody, didn't Pedro got COVID? He got moved, I, yeah. I think Pedro got COVID. Hopefully he's okay. Um, Frankie's walking around with some fucking, uh, you know, quarantine hair these days. Um, last time we saw him, he got uh, mollywopped by the Korean zombie back uh, last December. Uh, Pedro Munoz, on the other hand, um, Pedro uh, had won three straight beside, before Aljamain Sterling, you know, showed him who's who's boss back last June. He hasn't fought in a year, though. Um, betting odds for this one, Stefan. Uh, yeah, they're a lot bigger than I expected. Pedro Munoz, minus 255. Frankie Edgar, plus 215. Um, that's interesting. I know Pedro was doing well. Before he beat Aljo, you know, he, he, he knocked out Cody Garbrandt. Um, he knocked out Brian Caraway. Frankie Edgar, still Frankie Edgar. I mean, what, what, what's your pick for this one, Steph? <laughs> uh, it makes me pause that the line is so big, but I was leaning Munoz. Um, I'm not calling Frankie washed yet, but he's, 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 neck, he's in the laundry room. He's, he's not fighting for belts. He's, All right. uh, <laughs> that zombie list looked bad. I, you yeah. know, zombie's my guy, but that was a bad loss that mm. like, he looked just out of his depths he shouldn't have been in there like he looks I, slow. I, I don't i don't know what that was right like Frank frankie guy, never looks he never looks slow he looked slow in that yeah, one <laughs> so you like i said zombie's my favorite fighter right so i'm gonna give him the shine and the glow and uh, in my head canon he beat the absolute best version of frankie edgar that ever lived but what my eyes told me is I don't know how much is left, and that quarantine hair is not doing him any favors. That just it makes you look like a sad shell of a man. That hair, Frankie, get a trim, some clippers, boy. That Target, nineteen ninety nine. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take Pedro Munoz. Um, I hope he's okay though. Homeboy had COVID a month ago. Like, hopefully his, you know, maybe hopefully was asymptomatic or something. Dude didn't. That shit does ravages your lungs and shit, man. I'm just saying, it was literally a month ago. But I got Pedro Munoz. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Munoz as well. Um, I can guarantee you that the version that Zombie starts was not the best version of Frankie Edgar because the man is 38. Physically, there ain't no best of nobody at 38 years old. Stipe's so, 37. Okay, except that heavyweight. All right, <laughs> heavyweight, heavyweight is the exception to everything, okay? Um, Edgar isn't washed. He's more like he's damp. All right, he's not washed. He's at the beginning of the cycle where it's like you, you got it soaked, but it hasn't been run through the rinse cycle yet. They're, they're trickling, they're trickling the detergent on right now. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're on the pre-wash. He's pre-wash right now. All right, we haven't gotten to the main wash yet. Okay. Mark, do you have some weird fucking laundry analogy? I did, I did, and then Mike took a lot. Of, he didn't take a lot of them, but now we we we, we kind of wrung that uh, well a little dry. I um, mean, I think everyone picked Pedro, right? Yep. Okay, dude, I went over four last week. I can't yeah, get wild on these fucking picks. Strike here and and pick Frankie Edgar, even though I had some great laundry jokes too. I was gonna say he's not washed, but dude's pockets are full of quarters and dryer sheets right now. <laughs> Um, I'll go with Frankie. Um, honestly, I, I it, it's kind of sad. I think 
I think we we've all spent so much time picking fights together. We do have a lot of group think because I was a little on the fence, and then when Stefan gave the line, I was like, ooh, ooh, I like that line. They might they they know a little more than I do this week. I, I should go with them on the line, and then we're all like, oh, that line's make me think more. I'm like, god damn it, we all do think alike. Um. I'll pick Frankie. Hey uh, man, I, I went zero four last week. I can't go. I can't go veer off the line like this right now. He's like a three to one favorite. I say you know Frankie, he's got the gas tank. He's gone five rounds a lot. You look at the guys that have beat him; they're kind of all grade A, except for recently. I mean, Zombie's great. Zombie's great. Brian Otega's great. It, it, I always feel he wasn't like, losing fights in three fucking minutes before. But only when <laughs> like when all your losses are dudes that held the belt, it makes me feel a little more, more comfortable. But I'll, I'll go with Frankie. I'm not super confident. Um, and again, it's that line. These Vegas people are are, are, are weirding me out a little bit, making me think. My, Mike is Mark has a four game lead on me now, and I'm in second place. Right? That's where we at. Uh, yeah. You know, I haven't given the update in a while, so um, as Bobby alluded to, he went zero and four. I sadly went zero and four as well. Uh, Mark and Steph both went two and two, so Mark is now forty-three and twenty-three. Bobby is forty and twenty-seven. I am thirty no, and twenty-nine. That's, that doesn't that doesn't add up. I'm thirty-nine, and if it's four games, I you I'd have to be thirty-nine and twenty-seven. If he's forty-three uh, and twenty-three, forty-four and twenty-three. He's forty-four. Okay, then okay. Never mind. Okay, don't don't mm-hmm. don't check. You said forty. You said you said forty-three. No, I said forty-four. You heard. 43 I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'm check, gonna, I'll check the podcast for uh, now, I'm less, uh, <laughs> now, now I'm less uh, confident that I said 44 <laughs> now it's all recorded uh, I am 38 and 29 and Steph picked up two games and is now 36 and 31 I just want to say our, our picking is better this year guys last year we were barely over 500 we're doing we're doing you know, okay I just having you know, fun I, with it, I making a lot of nonsense picks. Bobby, I blame you because at the beginning of the card yesterday, you made a comment like, man, we're doing a lot better uh, over the last few months. 0 and 4. Oh, yeah. I was looking at it. I'm like, man, if this goes my way, I'm tied with Mark. I'm like, I just need Junior to win. Uh, I mean, I, I, and I need uh, DC to win, and I'm tied. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> that shit didn't happen. Um, we're picking a Bellator fight, guys. And it's one with a close betting line. Brian Bader decided to defend his other Bellator title because he got two until Corey Anderson comes and overworks him or whatever the fuck his nickname is when, uh, that he was overtrains. What, what's Corey Anderson's name? Overtime? Overtime. Overtime. He uses overtime and takes him. Um, He's beast in 25-7 forever. 25-8. Yeah. 25 Don't show me. Hour and an extra day. <laughs> yeah. Man's oof, got that. <laughs> Two hundred dollar, two hundred dollar week. Um, Bader beat up Rafael Carvalho. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Nadim. He's Bader's facing Nadim Nangpov, who's coming off of six straight wins. Um, finishes of uh, Philip Philippe Linz and Liam McGarry. I saw the Liam McGarry one, beating with leg kicks. Beat Phil Davis. Uh, choked out Rafael Carvalho. Ryan Bader's last fight was it the Czech Congo one? When Chuck Congo lied about getting eye poked, um, or is it? Yeah, that was that one right, where uh, Chuck Congo lied about getting eye poked. Um, before that, uh, Bader won that tournament of theirs without uh, taking a punch. I think is what happened. I'm serious. I think he won the tournament, the heavyweight tournament, without taking a punch. Um, on, like honestly, Ryan Bader showed up in Bellator is just you know. Did what we always say someone's going to do when they get the Bellator staff, where we're like, he's going to win all the belts. This is the 
big fish in little pond that yeah, we all be. We're like, oh, King Mo's gonna do that. Nope. Phil Davis gonna do that. Nope. Ryan Bader did that. Did we believe King Mo was gonna do that? I feel like uh, I knew enough about King Mo to know. I, I thought. I, I mean, do, do you remember that division when King Mo showed up? They had nobody. <laughs> do you remember King Mo, Bobby? Do you remember having that? I, I have an opinion I, of him. I remember when he lost to the, and Mike, the, to the hardcore kid. Mike called me, and he was already laughing. He was crying. He was laughing so hard, and King Mo got knocked out with a spinning back fist. Um, shout out to King Mo fighting in ML uh, wrestling in MLW, who possibly is going to go out of business because can't put on a wrestling show. Um, Ryan Bader is a favorite in this one, Steph, but not the kind of favorite you'd expect Ryan Bader to be with the yeah, resume he's got these li- days. Speaking of lines, we have him at the minus one forty-five to plus one twenty-five for Nemkov, so almost even money. Um, Nemkov's good. He fights out of uh, Russia. Um, I think he's uh, he's from. I think he's from the same place Fedor's from. Uh, Starry Oskol. Um, he trains under Fedor. Like Fedor yeah, trains him in Sambo. Yeah, he's got like Sambo medals. Dude's good. Um, straight up, he's got wins in Ryzen, win and uh, Renzen. Um, he fought on that Fedor Maldonado card. Um, I, I Ryan Bader right now is fighting the best Ryan Bader's probably ever fought. Um, and I'm just gonna ride that train. But he's what minus one fifty? You said that's close. Minus one fifty. I got Ryan Bader though. Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean. We had this conversation earlier. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised, Bobby, you took Bader because Stefan robbed a good point. Like, why are we going to pick this fight? We're all going to pick Bader. And you're like, well, this other guy's really good. But if you're not going to pick the other guy, I don't know who he is. I will say this, though, Bobby. To your point, he does have some good wins. That Phil Davis win does hold a lot of water. Um, the line being close, I think, uh, speaks to that as well. I just personally haven't. I mean, for an unknown Russian guy to be that close of a betting line against yeah. in a Bellator I card, I mean something. That's super impressive. I'm still going to go with Bader just because, like, unfamiliarity with this guy. And and Bader always had that that something in him that was like, he could be really good. You In the UFC, you knew, like, okay, he didn't beat John Jones. He lost a fight here and there, but he had he had, he had had that something, too. <laughs> and he also lost to Tito. That probably took him down a, a, a shekel, too. But uh, he had something there. And I, you knew he had the skill set. And, you know, in a in a smaller, uh, you know, organization, he's really shine. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to win this fight. Um, Steph? I, I'm, you're, I'm Mark's right. You guys are going to pick fucking Bader. But who do you got? <laughs> um, yeah, just keeping it on the Bader train. Uh, we, we, you know, we talked about the caveat of who is the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Well, Ryan Bader is the greatest Bellator heavyweight of all time. So how can I pick against that guy? I'm looking for a reason to argue with you. Change my mind, Bobby. It's that it's that meme of that guy sitting at the table. Ryan Bader is the greatest heavyweight in Bellator of all time. I tend to agree. He, he might be. Mike. <laughs> being the best heavyweight or light heavyweight in Bellator is like being the tallest person in a land full of little people. With that said, I'm picking that normal-sized person in the land full of little people. So that's Ryan Bader. Yeah. I lost the metaphor there at some point. Um, well, Bobby, of course, Bader. Um, I think this actually they might have other shit on this card too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, do you, fight, you guys, uh, do you guys want to believe in Roy Nelson one more time? Do you guys want to give me a point by choosing Roy Nelson one more time? John Salter's not bad, and uh, Mark and I's guy Adam Piccolotti back to the prelims. Um, wait, wait, real quick. I made that joke about Roy Nelson, but listen to this line. Roy Nelson is a plus 650 
to a minus one thousand uh, European or Russian dude I've never heard of. You know, talking about Roy Nelson, um, I forget who on the card this weekend got the other guy in a, in a crucifix. And it, was, it, it was the guy beating up uh, Herbert Burns. It, it, it made me reminisce about Roy Nelson when he would just put that fat belly on on your face when he got you on a crucifix. Man, it was great. Remember when Rampage, what was his description of his staff? Do you remember that? Mike, yeah. you got the moon. You can't fight against the moon. <laughs> How are you going to push the moon? How are you going to push the moon off of him? Um, Valentin Moldanovsky, another guy from Ryzen. Um, nine and one. And uh, overall, his only loss to my guy, Amir Ali Akbari. One day he's going to make it to a U.S. promotion. I swear, one day. But not recently, because he just signed with one championship. Um, all right. Um, stuff we like. Um, I don't even know what I did this week. So I got to think about this. Mark, you played the UFC game, didn't you? Tell us about that. I did. Yeah. So uh, UFC 4 dropped on Friday. Um, I got to put a little bit of time into it, and I've been enjoying it. Um, I've honestly really only played the career mode, which is something I, I usually don't dabble in until later. Um, at this point in my life, though, I have played so many UFC MMA games at this point, like just doing expeditions, just like not getting it done for me anymore. So, yeah, I was messing with the career mode, and I like it. It's enjoyable. I like some of the... Um, I think what's frustrating with this series with EA is each game has gotten better. And I think that's unquestionable. Each game has improved off the other. It's just there's such minor steps where they need to be taking leaps for me to really, like, get excited for it. Um, that's been a little disappointing. And the thing they really improved in this game is they overhauled the clinch, which is uh, a lot more satisfying to work in now. Um, and they kind of redid their takedowns a little bit um, to give you some more options there, new animations um, that make them look a little bit better. But um and then in the career mode, they again like they they dabbled a foot in doing something new and interesting, where they're making it a little bit more cinematic, a little bit more narrative, where there's basically a storyline that you're starting out as an amateur, and you, your first fight you're getting your ass kicked, but your coach sees you, and uh, he basically you loot. Are you really signing contracts for sixteen and sixteen? Is that really part of the game? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you do sign contracts. I can't remember if they tell you your win loss. They probably do. The, the most thing they do with the contracts is they have a bunch of things like, oh, do you you can get so much more money if you get three wins in a row or you do a bunch of finishes, and they have a bunch of like variables like that. But uh, I mean, what's interesting is they, they have this narrative where like, oh, this Coach Davis guy was a UFC fighter and he got hurt and now he's training you, and they just never really do anything with it. Like that's the beginning's kind of the most you get of that interaction with this coach character, and then it's kind of the same old. You start in WFA, then you at you're. you're the game's constantly pushing you to go into the UFC as quickly as possible. Even when you're doing your first couple amateur fights, it's like, oh, Dana White, he's going to come see your fight. Do you want to do that or do you want to hold off? And if you do that, he's like, oh, then he invites you to his Dana Knight fight, whatever. And then once you win that, you go into the UFC. And what's kind of shitty about this is that, one, I it, it sucks that the UFC owns so many fun organizations from the past that they could use this in a career mode so you can go to WEC or go to Strike Force or go to uh, Pride, um, and they don't do any of that. They just use the WFA, which they have been for the last, you know, like eight games. Uh, Bobby, you want to chime in? I can see you getting ready. No, I just, I just like that. You know, they bought the WFA to get Rampage like 15 years ago or whatever, 12 years ago, and Dana's like, I'm getting every fucking dollar. And they use this thing. organization that had like five events, and no one gives a shit when they have other organizations that people have nostalgia for. And to me, as a fan, it just kind of screams like, oh. 
they just want you to get in the UFC because the UFC is like the ultimate goal and, and fighting in feeder organizations is just like not fun. And they actually, there are certain things you only unlock once you get into the UFC and once you're ranked the top 15 and once you become a champion. So obviously a lot of progression in the camp uh, career mode is kind of hindered on you getting to the UFC quickly and so you can progress faster. So that's a little unfortunate because what's really sad is this same developer, the last game they made before the UFC games was Fight Night Champion, and that game had a fantastic career mode. It was basically they combined the stories of Hurricane and Rocky on top of each other and actually made a really compelling narrative that also had you play in these different kind of matches and you had different simulations on the matches and did really unique creative things within this kind of combat sports game. And they haven't done that again, and this is the first time they like they stick a toe in and be like, oh, you have this Coach Davis person, and they really just don't do a lot with it. So it's unfortunate in that, and there's definitely some aspects of the game that really need work that have not gotten any work since the first game. And that's mostly I'm the TKO and the ground and pound finishes are completely unsatisfying. They look so bad. They bring you out of the game. They just look fake and canned. And it's disappointing because finishing the fight should be one of the most like visceral fun feelings of like in the video game where I'm punching a dude in the face when the dude's unconscious, when I punch him in the face, that's probably where it should feel the most vicious and violent and in this game, one, you can't. Um, when you do a TKO, they basically, they block, and then they do an animation that they fall. They just kind of do the little, like, oh, I'm dead animation. And then you don't get to oh, God. more. And it's just really unsatisfying. And it's been like that for the last four games. And Hey, did you play with the two guys? With Tyson or? No, um I haven't. I'm mostly just on career mode with my creative fire, Mark Parker, because I can't pick a last name. It has to be one of their last names they say in the game. So there's no Paris, so I'm Mark Parker. Um, oh, poor Mark. Yeah, well, only, <laughs> get out of here. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? Only Mike is going to get his last name. I was going to say, there's probably a Sanchez. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And uh, I make a complaint. My name is a UFC fighter's first name. My first name has never existed in any of these games. Yeah. Can, you know, can I just, can I just, true, but you can't say it anywhere else in the game. Yeah. Can I just, can I pick Bobby Knuckles? Can I just have my name be Bobby Knuckles? You uh, can just keep calling me Bobby Knuckles. The first name you type in and then the last name you have to pick from their pre-generated. So they can, so Bruce can have something to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, so hey, there, this is a random question, Marcus. Yeah. Why do they not have old fighters in these games? Still? They, they, they have random old fighters. There's like legacy fighters, but so no, B, is BJ in the game? Who? BJ. He might be. I'm not sure. I get it. I, I usually. Oh, it's probably current BJ. And the the exhibitions usually like all I play in these games. And I heard about the career mode kind of changing up. And the game literally when you start it throws you into the career mode. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's all I've been playing. And I, I'll have to say, you know, other things they added this backyard fighting, which is supposed to be like Jorge in the in the bare knuckle fights. And they added this Kumite mode, which is like this weird kickboxing octagon ring. And it, and. The Kumite mode, I, I haven't played it yet. I just watched a video of it. It has like weird sound effects. Like, so it sounds like a movie. It's like, like the, the impact sounds are all like elevated. And what I think is disappointing again is like they added these two like modes in and they don't play into the career at all. Like, why couldn't I pick to be a backyard fighter like Masvidal and work my way up that way? Or why couldn't I be in the Kumite in my career? Like, why the fuck not? So that's the other thing too, Bob. Like, like you mentioned, this is the last thing I'll say about the game because I know you guys have got stuff to say too. Um, they're also dipping their toe in like, what if we're a little little wackier in this one? You know, like what if you go into the fight and you can wear like a singlet or you can have a funny mask on like a lion or have like headgear on. And it's like, okay, that's kind of fun, I guess. If I just want to be like, look like a bunch of Ronald McDonald's in there that people would make in the creative fighter, you can do that more 
kooky stuff, which is like, all right, that's kind of fun. They're dipping a toe in, but they're not going like full arcade mode either. This is very much a um, you know improvement off of UFC three, which is a, which is a fine game, you know. And this game's a fine game. It's just as someone that loves combat sports and loves video games, and there's none, there's no other, there's no other combat sport video game besides UFC. There's no boxing games, there's no K one games anymore, kickboxing games. If you like combat sports and video games, this is kind of the only place you're going to go to get that fix, and it's all right. You know, it's not bad. I, I I I buy them every time they come out. I'm still enjoying it. It's fun, but it's just like I know it can be so much more. This sport's like almost impossible to replicate in like a video game. But I've seen amazing things that people have done in video games, and I believe at some point, if this sport stays relative enough and this stays lucrative enough for them to continue down this avenue, I know there can be something really fun to play. Um, we're just not quite there yet. There's still definitely some hills to get over, but yeah, still cool. If, if you're into UFC, you haven't played one in a while, check it out. It's not, it's not uh, the worst thing in the world. Uh, Steph, what do you got this week, man? Uh, not too much. Um, I really just have today. Uh, one of my favorite K-pop groups dropped a new song. Um, and I stayed up really late to watch the debut. I don't know if I stayed up intentionally or if I just happened to stay awake because I can't sleep anymore. Um, but from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., I watched this Korean uh, live cast on YouTube. Um, their name's Itzy. Uh, they're under the JYP label, uh, label mates to Twice, another K-pop group I've mentioned a bunch, who are one of my favorite groups. Uh, five members. They're the most Western-facing group. I think if JYP is planning for one of their groups to make a run in uh, the United States market, it'd be them because all of them can speak English. Um, it's like we talk about with MMA fighters, right? The ability to cross promote here really depends on how well can you communicate here. Um, but they dropped a new song called Not Shy. Uh, so I kind of basically they did like a live mini concert for their mini album that dropped, uh, debuted the music video. But um, yeah, I love the song a lot. Um, if you there's by any chance you are the intersection of K-pop and MMA fan, you probably know this group. And you probably were pretty excited about this release, too. But if you're not, I don't expect you to check it out. But that's what I'm listening to. Uh, Mike, what about you? Hey, yeah. So just a few little things. So I guess the first one is something I stumbled upon this weekend on YouTube. It's this uh, YouTube guy, Seasons, S-Z-I-N. Uh, stumbled upon him. He makes... Um, like a sketch, uh, like a handwritten, like hand drawn sketches for uh, for songs, and I would assume the thing he's probably most famous for is uh, making um like uh, sketches to the to the Hamilton musical. I burned pretty much through all of that within about a you know half a day, and those are pretty cool to watch. Uh, two other things is a documentary on Nixon, which I watched uh, earlier today. My birthday was off the fucking chain, as you can probably tell. Um, it was a documentary called Nixon in the Den. Um, probably a lot of it is very redundant if you know anything about Richard Nixon, but it got more into his uh, relationship with, uh, with Kissinger and how after a certain point um he thought kissinger was starting to take too much of a spotlight especially with the diplomatic victories that you know they got with um you know with russia and and china um and then the third thing 
which I like this week, are hackers because uh, I have gotten back into playing uh, really old games. Uh, specifically, I downloaded Pokemon Gold onto my uh, Nintendo 2DS a few weeks ago, and I stumbled upon you know the on the internet a way so that you can hack it so that you can turn any Pokemon you want in the game into a shiny. So I spent about four hours yesterday making all of my Pokemon shinies. So the shiny don't—they don't—they're not stronger, right? They just have the little shine effect. They—they—they they, they just look different. That's all it is. That's awesome, Mike. Good job. <laughs> Probably doesn't know, but you just Mike just saved twelve thousand hours not having to grind Pokemon Steph, and gold. Steph to get has a huge Kool Aid smile on his face because he knows—he knows the shiny game. Look, man, I get it. I was talking about Mark. You know what I wish existed for modern day video games? The fucking Game Shark. Yes. Look, I grew up on a goddamn oh, Game Shark. I want Game Shark, Game I Genie. I don't want to work. I want to have fun. I just want to enjoy the funness of it, Mike. So I applaud you finding your workaround. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, there should be a choice where you just go into a game and say, "Look, man, I'm I, I've given up the competitive aspect here. Let me just have a good time. Let me just have God mode." Just turn every game into Saints Row is what I'm getting at. Um, One of the things I've never understood about Bobby is that when we lived together, anytime he played the computer in a sports game, that shit, at most, he would have it on the second easiest difficulty. I had it on whatever the difficulty was when you turn on the game. That's the that's the difficulty they intended me to play at. Bobby, All right. Bobby would be super proud. Like He would be talked to be super proud of himself because in NCAA, he's like, yo, man. I just had a season where my guy threw for 8,000 yards and has 80 touchdowns. Mike, let like, me tell oh, you, I played, my rookie. I played this online dynasty mode with Bobby and Drew. They get a head start. I see what their results of their game were. I'm like, your guy threw for 17 touchdowns? What the fuck are you guys doing? You, <laughs> he also you, threw for like 10 picks. Why are you and Drew running up the score on easy? Like, what the hell is going on? What kind of game is this? Um, hey, man. I'm not good at games. Um... I, mine's a really narrow, specific thing to watch. I'm really, at this point, just telling Stefan to watch it, I think. And maybe Mike. Um, you're out, Mark. Is, you're you, out. You're not involved. Well, Mark's not going to. Mark's not going to. I don't think Mark cares enough he to knows. watch this. Um, there's this YouTube channel called uh, Parts Fun Known, uh, run by a guy named Adam Blompied. Um, used to be on those What Culture videos about wrestling. I know, um, Yeah. So there's this video he put out, and I think it's a really good watch for people who are newer wrestling fans or even MMA fans who don't understand um, the phenomenon phenomenon that is C- that was CM Punk. And it's literally a video called "Was CM Punk Actually Good?" And the guy in 15 minutes, it's this guy. It's not even Blompier talking. It's another guy, um, Luke Owen. It's kind of like a video essay where the guy explains his point of whether or not CM Punk was good. And he explains what wrestling was in the mid-2000s. And for lack of a better term, he's like, the WWF was bad. Once ECW and WCW went away, it went, it got bad, which is also when we all stopped watching, by the way, Steph, if you want to point to that moment. And what brought people back was CM Punk. And Stefan specifically, the day after CM Punk did his, it's called the Pipe Bomb interview, where he cut a promo on TV and fucking rock the world, Stefan's like, hey, did you see this? 
and I hadn't, and I watched it, and I'm like, holy shit, this guy, someone finally caught a promo about what's really, what's really going on there, and, you know, we had the summer of punk, and WWE drove it into the ground, but modern wrestling, modern professional wrestling in the WWE is all indie-rific with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and AJ Styles and, you know, half the fucking Ring of Honor roster from 2010, you know, Samoa Joe and all these fuckers. I'm going to guess, Bob, that the title of this video is just obvious clickbait, right? Because if the answer to that question wasn't a resounding yes, then well, I mean, there's no also, way you're recommending this to me. Well, right? he's also talking, yeah, he's also talking about the like other arguments against it, which is like, you know, some of the stuff CM Punk's done in the last few years of pissed off wrestling fans, which a lot of it is wrestling fans are the fucking worst. Um, make MMA fans look tame. But no, it's actually, it's a really, he, he makes reference to like, he's making his own argument. And he has other people, other wrestling commentators chime in on their thoughts about why. I mean, he has another one that's, um, is Charlotte Flair actually good in there too? You know, it's a series he's starting. And it's actually very interesting. It's a guy just making an argument. And uh, the CM Punk one's very interesting. And I think if people are really curious about why this man matters as much as he does, still, um, who hasn't wrestled since January 2014, it still matters this much. Um, it's because he's really responsible for a lot of what modern wrestling is right now. Uh, mostly him, a little bit of Daniel Bryan, about what you see on mainstream wrestling. And it's, I don't know, I thought it was really interesting. The guy makes a lot of good points. So it's literally called, Was CM Punk Actually Good? It's a 15-minute video, if you're interested at all. That's what I got, though. That's it this week. Um, it was too hot for me to do other things. That's that's it. So uh, we'll be back next week. Um, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say there's another UFC card. Um, it's UFC Fight Night. Holy shit. Um... Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakic. Um, but fuck me. Co-main event, Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magny. You got me, UFC. You got me with that. You got me right there. And you got Stefan, because I see Alexa Grasso. All right? I see Ricardo Lamas. This thing's not bad. Straight up. <laughs> the more I look at it. Main event is weird. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll make our picks for that. We'll see if Ryan Bader's still the champion at 205. We'll see what laundry analogy worked for Frankie Edgar. Um... What cycle was Frankie yeah. on? What cycle is he on? Um, Good callback, Bobby. I'm proud of you. Um, I've tried, man. Check out the UFC 4 game with Mark's Real Luke get Lukewarm Review. Yeah, whatever. That's out there. Um, Stefan, what was the name of the of the album you want me to listen it, to? C-I-T-Z-Y, not shy. Um, Mike, you want to recommend that Nixon documentary or not? Yeah. No, that's a good uh, 45 minutes to watch. Can I give a yeah. call back? One of my all-time favorite Stuff We Like moment was Mike talking about a show he watched, got all the way through it, and while talking about it, realized I didn't like that show. Never mind. Wasn't that the like best. two weeks ago? It was. It was very recent, Mike. The I best Stuff We Like moment was when Mike's first podcast back from Japan, where he was incredibly fucking sleep-deprived and <laughs> jet-lagged, and we lost the podcast due to a recording issue. But Mike gave the most grim stuff he liked about going to a fucking nuclear fucking uh, bomb museum and the things that were interesting that when it was over, I, when, the, when the recording <laughs> failed, I told Stefan, hey, man, it failed. And Stefan took a beat and then he went, man, that might have been for the best. That wasn't a good show. <laughs> I mean, do you want to hear uh, Mike wax poetic for 20 minutes about the ashy shadows of the flash remains? Yeah. yeah. In an instant. Uh, like, I remember I was like half listening. I'm like, I don't know if we should post this. <laughs> <laughs> right 
remains the best stuff we like ever. We poke All fun. Right, uh, fun at my man going to bed early, but trust me, he needs the sleep. Yeah. All right. Um, that was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms. That was DJ Mark. I was Dr. Law. We see y'all next week. Everybody be safe. Wear your mask. All that shit. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.